This journey started long before us, mapped out from the very beginning. Movements built on a legacy of prayer and sacrifice. This is not the easy way. It requires hard things. It will change us. It demands our attention. It is a journey of rescue to be passed on from one generation to the next. And we are here to take up the baton, to embrace our leg of the journey, to go, not just for ourselves, but for the generations to come. Here we go. It's great to see you guys here this evening at Grace Church in Medina East Campus. And like Dan said just a minute ago, uh, we are actually in week four of a five-part series. So this is going to be uh, near the end. Next week is kind of the final week in this Here We Go conversation that we've been in. And uh, like Dan said just a minute ago, too, if you're a guest, man, we're so glad that you're able to be here. Thanks for being our, our guest. Uh, but like Dan also mentioned, you did come on, on really kind of a unique weekend. And uh, we are in this series, we're actually doing something uh, that's a little abnormal for us, not what we typically do on the weekend conversations. And like Dan mentioned, we are kind of having a little bit of a family conversation. And so really looking to address those who would consider the Medina East Campus home and, uh, and kind of talking to us specifically. But if you are a guest and you are in the room, uh, like Dan said, we are glad you're here. And I just want to invite you to pull a chair up to the table to eavesdrop in to the kind of the family conversation. And if you're a person who's kind of investigating grace, I actually think this might be helpful to you because it might help you understand a little bit about our church and where we're going kind of together. And so, so it's a bit of a family conversation and maybe even kind of a better way to say it, we've been saying is this, you can think of this series as uh, the beginning of a family trip. And really what we said is we said that this, this series, that in this series, we're, we're hoping not just to talk about something, uh, but our desire is to actually go somewhere. Uh, that throughout this series, we said that we are actually trying to lead the Medina East Campus family in a certain direction, that we are looking to go on a, on a journey together. And we said the trip that we're looking to go on is one that's going to require every man, every woman, every child, and every student who's kind of part of our church. It's kind of an all play, that it's everyone getting the van because if we're gonna go where we believe that God is leading us, it is going to take all of us to kind of get there. And so that's what we've been doing in this series. And, and the reason that we've been taking five weeks to do this, kind of this, this different format, is because we just wanted to take the time to, uh, to carefully and hopefully to clearly articulate uh, where it is that, what it is that we believe God has done here at the Medina East Campus, but then also talk about where we believe that God is leading us into this next leg of our journey. And so we're just spend, spending the time to really just kind of clearly and carefully kind of talk us through as a family to say, what, what has God done up to this point and where do we believe that he's kind of leading us into this next leg of the journey? And so we've been doing that uh, the first week. If you happen to be here, you might remember, we actually spent the whole week first and foremost talking about the why. And we said, hey, listen, before we talk about where we're going in this journey, where we believe God is leading us, we said, before we talk about kind of the details of like how we're going to get there, we said, let's just first start by kind of reinforcing the why. Why are we taking this journey? Why, what is kind of the heartbeat behind kind of this next phase that we're looking to lead into as a campus? And so we did that. And you might remember, we together looked at Psalm 78. And so this is actually the passage that we have been coming back to over and over again throughout this series. We said that this, this passage right here, really in a lot of ways, is kind of like base camp for us. It's kind of like home base. And so we keep coming back because we believe that Psalm 78 really articulates kind of the why, the big heart behind this series. And so once again, uh, here's what Psalm 78 says. I'll just kind of show you the meat of the passage here, starting in verse 4. Uh, Psalm 78, uh, the people of God would have sang this together, and this is what they would have sang. They said, we will not hide them from their descendants, but we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of his power and the wonders that he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob, and he established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. And then in verse 6, so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. 
And then they would put their trust in God and they would not forget his deeds, but they would keep his, his commands. And so we kind of looked at this and we said Psalm 78 in a very simple way introduces us to a simple but a very profound reality. And if you look at this passage, what you see is you see that there is this movement, the movement of God that one generation is to tell the next and in turn, they are to turn around and tell the next and they are in turn to turn around and tell the next generation. And we said, here is the simple but profound truth that we see in Psalm 78. is that the story of God, the story of God, uh, that is the message of God, the mission of God and the movement of God, uh, that those things are designed to be passed down generationally and relationally. So he said it's a very simple truth, but it's a very powerful truth that we see that the way that God has designed his movement to work is that it is life-on-life life transmission. It is relationships. It is one person to the next, and it is one generation to the next. That is how God has designed his movement to take place. And so because of that, because of this simple truth, here's what we said. We said that we want to be a church that does not simply exist for ourselves, that we don't want to be a church that simply exists to meet our own preferences and to meet our own needs and to focus on our own desires. But we want to be a church that thinks relationally and generationally, that we are thinking about people who yet to, that, that yet don't know Christ. And we want to be a church that's also thinking about the next generation and how are we carefully investing in them that they might know who God is. And so we said, man, that's really the heartbeat. I'll tell you one of the cool things, I was uh, kind of reading and studying Psalm 78 a lot throughout this series. And one of the things I thought was really cool when you read Psalm 78 is I want you to notice what the Bible says is the desired outcome. If you notice this, it says uh, the, people, the people of Israel sang together, we're not going to hide them from the descent, our descendants. We're going to tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord of his wonders that he has done so that they would know, that the next generation would know. And I actually really love this, that the Bible says this, that the next generation would know. And the word that's used here in the Hebrew language for know, I think is a really, really cool word. It's actually this word right here. It's the word yadeh, okay, yadeh. And I know you want to probably give it a shot, so why don't you turn to someone next to you and go ahead and say yadeh, okay, yadeh. So that's the, the Hebrew word, all right? And I'll tell you why I like this word so much and why it's so important is because this word right here actually appears three times three times in the first seven verses of Psalm 78. And so you see it three times. Yadeh, yadeh, yadeh. Not to be confused with uh, yada, yada, yada. For any of you who happen to be Seinfeld fans, I don't know, maybe I'm dating myself there. Uh, but yadeh, yadeh, you see it three times over. And this is such an important word. It's translated no, um, but it actually means so much more than just an intellectual awareness or a knowledge about something. It means so much more than that. Here's what the word literally means. We actually don't really have an English equivalent to this word, but what it literally means is it means to be well acquainted with something. It means to be skillful, to know something so well that you are skillful within it. That's the word. It literally means to know something by experience. So I love this because in Psalm 78, what it says is, here's a generation of people who are saying, we are going to be so careful and diligent to sacrificing of ourselves so that the next generation would yaday, that they would, they would actually know God, not just an intellectual awareness, not just have a knowledge of, but actually have an experience, that they would have an experiential understanding of who God is. I think, I think all of us kind of understand this, by the way. There is a difference, isn't there, between knowing about something and knowing and really knowing something. Now, there's a difference between like knowing about someone and actually having a deep relationship with them. This is a silly example. I think all of us understand this. You could know about, you could have an intellectual knowledge and an intellectual awareness about chocolate. Like you could, you could know the history of chocolate. You could go to Wikipedia and learn about it. You could know the nutrition facts about chocolate and you could have that memorized, right? But you and I both know it's a totally different thing to know about chocolate than it is to actually experience chocolate, right? This little kid is having a heyday here. It's an awesome thing. But to taste it, to experience the wonder and the beauty of what chocolate is is a whole different thing. And this right here is what the word yaday is talking about. It's talking about this kind of knowledge. Uh, I think all of us understand um, that it's one thing to know about a beach, 
And so you can know what a beach is. You can have an intellectual awareness. You can go to Merriam-Webster's uh, dictionary and you can find a definition of beach. You can memorize that. It's a totally different thing to have the experience of sitting on the beach, which I know showing this picture in February in Ohio is cruel and unusual punishment to some of you because we wish we were here. Which, by the way, if you happen to be listening in the podcast or watching this online and you are in a warmer climate, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you and we're all struggling with you right now because we are, we are somewhat jealous, right? And uh, there's a difference, right? To, to feel the sand on your toes and to taste the salt water on your lips, to feel the power of the undercurrent when you're in the waves. It's an entirely different thing to experience that. And this is what the Bible's talking about here, here in Psalm 78. Here you have a generation of people who are saying, we want to pour ourselves out so the next generation might know, might know that they might actually know who God is. There's a difference between knowing about God and then actually knowing him. There's a difference between knowing about, about hearing things about who God is, and there's another, it's a whole other thing to experience his forgiveness in our brokenness and the parts of our life that we fail. When we get to experience the grace of God, that is a powerful, powerful thing. I think all of us know that there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. There's a difference between knowing what the Bible teaches and actually living in such a way that you follow Jesus and experience the life-giving freedom that comes in doing that. And so basically, the why behind this whole series, what we're saying is this, is, is the whole reason that we're doing this journey and we're going on this together, bottom line, is we want the world to yaday God. We just want people who don't know God to know God. And we want to introduce the next generation to a life-giving relationship with their Savior. And that's a big piece of what we're kind of aiming at together. So that's the heartbeat. Psalm 78 is the heartbeat for us. So I talked about that. Over the past couple of weeks, we started to process together. And we said, okay, so where are we going? Where is it that we believe that God is leading us currently as a church into uh, kind of in this next season? And you might remember I said this, I said that after praying and fasting and talking to our leadership team and seeking wisdom and over a year of processing, uh, I am firmly convinced that I believe there are four key areas uh, that we need to focus on right now as a church. And so the four areas that we talked about were campusing, ch children and students making a significant investment and children and students, leadership development and outreach. And so over the past couple of weeks, um, we just spent a lot of time. And again, the hope was to be clear and to carefully kind of articulate to those who are part of the Medina East Campus family, here is where we believe that God is leading us. Here is why we believe that God is leading us in this direction. Here's why we want to focus on these four things. And here's why we want to do that now. And so I just want to encourage you, if you missed any of those talks, you can go back. Uh, you can listen to that. You can catch that on our website. And we would encourage you to do that. Here's what we want to do today, all right? So I know some of you have been anticipating this. You've kind of been here. So now the question is this. Okay, so this is where we're going. We know why we're going there. This is where we're going. So how are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? What is, what is the plan? And so what I want to do with the remainder of the time that we have left here tonight is I just want to carefully, as carefully as I know how to, I just want to walk you through the plan. And I want to talk to you about uh, what, 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 we, what we propose that we need to do to move forward on kind of these four things. All right, now, let me just say again before we talk about this plan, again, this is so different than anything we typically do here on the weekend. So we usually don't go through plans like this in a weekend setting like this. But I do want you to understand that one of the reasons we want to do this is because those who are part of the Medina East family, we just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And that we're kind of, are all kind of understanding where it is that we're hoping to sort of lead things together. All right, so I want to walk you through the plan. I also want to encourage you that as I go through the plan, if you haven't grabbed one of these booklets yet, uh, these booklets actually contain a good amount of the information that I'm going to lead you through today. So these are actually in the seat backs in front of you. So you might even want to take one of those and flip through that as we kind of go through some of this. If you have some questions, hopefully that'll help answer some of those things. Uh, there's a picture of me on the first page on the inside, so uh, you're welcome for that. And, uh, and some more information. So grab that and uh, we'll kind of go through. So what is the plan? All right, so what I want to propose to you is that after thinking and praying about these four things and seeking wisdom and talking to our leadership team, uh, here, is, here is kind of the plan that I want to propose to you here uh, at, for those of us who are part of the family. So I want to propose we go after this. Uh, think about it in a 10-year journey. Okay, so if you think about a 10-year journey uh, from 2020 to 2030, so this next decade, uh, we want to go after these things in a concerted way. So if you take these 10 years, if you think about this journey, and if you slice that 10 years into three phases, okay, so phase one, phase two, phase three, 
Each of those phases is gonna be just a little over three years, okay? And so here's, here's what, uh, what I'm suggesting, kind of the plan that we're putting forth, is we're gonna go through three phases over the next 10 years. Phase one is 2020 to 2023-ish in there. And this phase, I guess a helpful way to think about it, is this is basically about preparing our campus to be healthy enough to launch a campus. So if you've been with us in this conversation, phase one is a little bit operation, get mama healthy. And so that's a little bit of let's focus on strengthening and let's focus on preparing our campus to launch another campus in phase two. All right, so phase two, which would be the next set of three years is 2023 to 2026-ish, somewhere in there. That is where we are planning and we are praying, Lord willing, that our campus will be sending and launching another campus of Grace Church. And so there is where we're planning, Lord willing, and that we're preparing for, that we will be sending people. We're gonna actually ask some of you to go and help launch a new campus. We're gonna be sending resources and we're gonna be sending leadership. And in that phase, we're gonna be sending another campus. Now, we know that when we do that, that when we launch a campus, Lord willing, uh, that we are gonna need to take some time to rebuild and, and to reload. Um, and that might take some time as well. So that's what we're gonna do there in phase two. Now, phase three, this last phase, the, the, probably the best way to think of it, for lack of a better term, is that's where we're asking God that maybe he would make us a sending church, that we would be a church that sends. And here's what I mean by that, all right? So if you, if you look at our more mature campuses of Grace, and so, uh, so Grace Church has eight different campuses, and there's two campuses um, that, are, that are older than the Medina campus, that are more mature. And so that would be the Bath campus and that would be the Norton campus. And when you look at our more mature campuses, what you'll see is that it took them a long time from the time that they first started to grow into a place of maturity where they were able to send a campus, okay? And so for the Bath campus, it took the Bath campus 13 years after they started before they were able to launch the Medina campus. Right, so it took a long time for them to get healthy enough to do that. But once they launched the first campus, it was not very long after that they were reloading and they were launching their second campus, which is the Ellick campus of Grace Church. And so what we're saying is this, is if you think about it like this, it takes a tree a long time to grow to a place of maturity where it can bear fruit. But once the first fruits come, once the first fruits come on that tree, you know that right on the heels of that are gonna be, is gonna be the harvest, right? There's gonna be more to come. And so our prayer is that if we campus in phase two, that in phase three, now we are sending campuses. Now we are, Lord willing, sending missionaries, launching new kingdom initiatives, that we are becoming a fruitful church that is sending into different things. That's what we're asking God for uh, kind of in this, in this journey together, all right? Now, I, what I wanna talk to you about tonight is I wanna to talk to you about phase one, all right? So what do we hope to do for the next three years? What is the three-year plan for us here at the Medina campus, all right? So let me just start. We'll talk through these four things. Let's talk about campusing first, okay? So what is the three-year plan as it relates to campusing? All right, well, here's the first thing. The first thing we wanna do in the next three years is we want to identify campus location. It's probably a good starting place. So we wanna start by identifying a campus location. Probably the most popular question that I've received uh, since we started this conversation is people have asked, where's the next campus gonna be? So if we're gonna launch a campus, where's that gonna be? And um, you know, some have said, is it gonna be on the west side of Medina? Because this is called Medina East, does that mean there's gonna be a Medina West? Uh, some people have said, is it gonna be in Strongsville? Is it gonna be in Brunswick? Is it gonna be in Wadsworth? Is it gonna be in Hinckley? There's all these, these kind of questions. And uh, let me give you the short answer, and then I'll give you the long answer to that question. So here's the short answer. Uh, we don't know, and uh, we're trusting God that he is going to help us identify that location in the next three years. Now here's the long answer. Um, within the next three years, we actually wanna involve uh, everyone who's part of the Medina East family in this process to say, uh, let's seek God and let's figure out where we need to go next. But I will tell you this, there are actually some criteria that we are asking and we're looking at. So what is the criteria? One of the questions that we're asking on this is we're asking, where are our people coming from? So if we're gonna plan a campus, we, we don't wanna be too far away from where we currently are 
because we want to be able to strategically send people from our campus to go launch that campus, okay? And so if you have those booklets, you'll actually notice, um, and I know that you won't be able to make this out very well from where you're sitting, but if you have a booklet, you have a picture of this. This is actually a map of where all the families in our campus are coming from. And so it's actually pretty interesting to look at to say where are the people from the Manatees campus coming from? You can kind of see that there. So we're asking that question. Where are people coming from? It's a big one. Here's the second question that we're asking. We're asking this question, where is the gospel not clear and accessible? All right, where is the gospel not clear and accessible? So let's say we have a bunch of people coming from the west side of Medina, um, which I don't think there's a lot of people on the west side of Medina, but let's say that you have a lot of people coming from there. One of the questions that we're asking is, are there already some really awesome gospel-centered churches that are there? Because listen, here, here's the heart. We never wanna compete with what the body of Christ is doing. We always wanna complete. And so we're asking, is there a place where there is a need for a gospel-centered church? That's what we're looking for, okay? And here's the third thing that we're asking. The third thing we're asking is, are there gospel-centered churches that maybe need a fresh infusion of vision? And so are there other communities where there is a gospel-centered church, but maybe it's in a spot where there's been leadership transitions, or maybe it's in a place where that's a church that needs a fresh infusion of vision and is willing to work with us on something like that. So those are some of the things that we're thinking and praying about. So the first thing, I want to identify campus location. Here's the next thing. The next three years, we want to prepare our ministries for multiplication, all right? So what we mean by that is, uh, we talked about this last week, that if we are going to be sending a campus, that we need to do some work over the next three years to beef up our current ministries so that we can sustain a multiplication. So we're actually preparing and thinking about that. This is why uh, the serve one, attend one involvement goal that we've been talking about is so important. Uh, because when you, when, when, for those of us who are part of the Medina East family, when we decide that we're going to serve at a service and attend a service, uh, we're actually helping us towards campusing. We're actually helping to do that. And so basically what we said with this is we said pick a day, whether it's Saturdays or Sundays. Jesus loves Saturdays a little more, uh, but you guys already know that. And uh, we said we would love it if the people who are part of our campus could all pursue this rhythm of serving at a service and then attending one of those services. And, uh, and that would allow us to kind of multiply our ministry efforts in those ways. Okay, so we want to we prepare ministries for multiplication. Here's the next thing want to identify a potential launch team. And so in the next three years, our hope is that we can identify and that we can prepare a launch team that's going to go and be part of this when we campus uh, in the next three years. Uh, my guess is this. My guess is that once we identify a location, it's probably not going to be very long before, uh, before a launch team starts to assemble. But we are going to look at you and we're going to ask you if you would prayerfully consider being someone who's part of that launch team. And, and we need some people to stay, and we're going to need some people to go, and that's part of what we're going to be thinking about together, all right? And then lastly, we also want to identify a campus pastor. And so as we send another campus, we want to make sure that there's leadership that can help kind of head up and lead that charge. And so that's the campus pastor. Now, one of the questions, probably the second most popular question that I've gotten in this series is people have said, how do you identify a campus pastor? Uh, who's going to go? And I'll give you the short answer. Uh, the short answer is, uh, I'm not sure. Um, we're going to trust God that he's going to raise up uh, the right leader at the right time. Uh, but one of, the, one of the, I'll tell you this much, the first place that we look when we're looking for campus pastors is we look within our own church first. And when I say our own church, I don't just mean our own campus, by the way. I mean Grace Church. And so we look at all of our campuses and we have pastors and we have residents and we have interns and we're asking, God, are you raising up anyone uh, who's gonna be able to kind of take that, take that position and then kind of lead that charge? And so that's what we're hoping to do in campusing. Okay, those four things. Identify a campus location, prepare our ministries for multiplication, identify a launch team, and identify a campus pastor. Okay, that's the heart behind campusing. Let me talk about the next one. Let's talk a little bit about the three-year plan with children and students. So what do we hope to do with children and students? Now, you will notice with this one, there is a, there is a large price tag that is attached to this over the course of the next three years. Now, the reason for that is there's actually a lot that we want to do as it relates to investing in the next generation. I'll talk about some of that when we talk about leadership development. But the reason that there's, the price tag is attached to this is because there is one big ticket item uh, that we're really looking at together. And that is this, that we, we realize that right now we need to address our current facility restrictions. We just need to address that as it relates to children and students. 
And so right now we would look and we would say that all of our power kids area and our student ministries areas are busting at the seams. And if you consider, and one of the things that we've shown you over the past couple of weeks is this wave. It's this wave of kids and students that are connected to our campus. And when you consider the amount of kids and students that are currently connected at our church, we are already busting at the seams at our most popular services. We're already running into facility constraints. If you anticipate great advancement and anticipated growth of our campus, you'll just see we are in a pinch. And I wish there was another way around this, but we're just looking and saying we have to build something. Uh, that is always like a last resort for us. So I want you to know that um, we love, we love, we love, we love uh, getting as much mileage out of our buildings as we can. And there's a reason we do four services on the weekend and not just one. There's a reason we do multiple services on multiple days because we're like, let's just get as much mileage out of it as we can. Uh, but there comes a point when you realize we just have to do something about this. And we are at that place as it relates to our kids and our students area. And if we're gonna accommodate in a way to help kind of uh, to meet this wave, uh, we're just gonna need to build. So tell you what we did is uh, about a month ago, well, maybe a little over a month ago, uh, we sat down with some architects, um, actually it was several months ago now, uh, we sat down with some architects and we basically just said, uh, we think we need to start addressing some of this. So they met with us and they came up with some conceptual drawings. Let me just emphasize, these are conceptual uh, drawings, but basically what they said, as I said, if you're gonna build, if you're gonna build, so this is where we currently are right now. This is our current Power Kids area. They said, if you're gonna build, you're gonna wanna build backwards is where you're gonna wanna build. So we actually have a, a fair amount of land here. We have about 17 acres. And so they said, you're gonna wanna build backwards. And what we would hope to do is we would hope to create a space that loudly communicates our value that we are fully committed to kids and students. And so that would mean that we'd wanna renovate our current Power Kids area so that it could accommodate some of the growth that we've seen. We'd also wanna add back here a space for Power Kids and for student ministries. So we wanna create something back here with that in mind. And we're just looking and we're saying uh, that given kind of the growth that we've experienced as a campus and the next generation that's in the wings, this is one of the ways that we'd have to kind of accommodate that. I'll also say this, uh, one of the things that we've been thinking about is we said, if we're gonna break ground, we also would love it if we could create a space that could be an opportunity for community inroads in any way possible. So let me tell you one of the things we're dreaming about right now. And again, it's a dream. And it, I guess part of it depends on the resources that come in. But one of the things that we said is we said, how cool would it be if in this Power Kids space, one of the things that we did was we built an indoor playground uh, that was visible from the road. It was actually visible from the street. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but did you know that there's about 30,000 cars that pass by us every day on 18? So we, we actually are in a really awesome location. And so about 30,000, in fact, um, 28,100 vehicles on September 17th, 2019, in case you were wondering like how many, but uh, a lot of people pass by. And I think, I think that if you had something like that, if you had something like an indoor playground that was visible from the street, I think that would loudly communicate to our community that we want your kids here and that we value the next generation and, uh, and that we want, to, we want to be a part in that as well. So we kind of want to do that. And we also said this, we said if we had an opportunity like that, we said it's possible that we could open up our space during the week and we could create a space, maybe a, a non-threatening space where people could come in during the week and maybe people who are unchurched might be able to step foot in a church where maybe they wouldn't before. That's one of the things that we're dreaming about. Let me tell you something else. Uh, as we were talking to our architects, we said if we break ground and start to build something, we said we probably, we probably need to just address uh, some of our, our essential basic facility needs right now. And so, uh, so the big one is this, and I'll just tell you, this is gonna sound funny to you, but it, it's just a need that we have. And that would be, um, we actually have some needs with our men's bathroom. And so if you're, I know it sounds funny. So if you're a dude, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but basically, if you, if you don't know about the men's bathroom situation, I want you to get this. We have over a thousand people that come on the weekend. And in the men's bathroom, we have precisely one men's stall that we kind of share together. Now we have other bathrooms in the building, but they're in our children's spaces. And so for security reasons, you're not allowed to go back there. So we have one men's stall. And I don't want you to think too much about that, uh, but that, that leaves very little room for emergency situations, if you know what I'm saying. And so, um, so I, I know, and, and, uh, 
and I am aware of at least two, there's probably more of this, but I am, I am aware of at least two situations where we have been put in kind of an embarrassing spot. And so uh, there was a couple of times where there was someone who needed to use the stall and it was occupied and it was an emergency. And so those people were forced to get in their car and drive to Dunkin' Donuts and use that bathroom instead. And so we said, man, from a hospitality standpoint, like we just can't do that anymore. That just can't happen. So, so one of the things that we want to address is we want to address that as well. I actually thought it was kind of funny. When we did our first building project here at Grace Church at the Medina campus, we actually had a campaign. It was called Beyond the Walls is what we called that. I was actually trying to get the creative team to name this one uh, Beyond the Stalls, but, uh, but they, didn't, they didn't like that. They said, let's call it Here We Go. And I said, well, so depending on how you interpret that, I don't know, that could be... I don't know, something else too, all right, so, but that's a, that's a big, don't, that's, okay, anyway, all right, let's talk about leadership development, okay, so leadership development, okay, so with leadership development, I would say that in this particular area, there are, uh, there are some ministries that we, that we want to, to really kind of strengthen, and then there's some new, uh, there's new, some new endeavors we actually want to pursue, and so what do those look like? Okay, well, first and foremost, under leadership development, one of the first things we want to do in the next three years is we want to work to fully furnish our equipping division. And so if you are not familiar with our equipping division, our equipping division is a series of practical university-level applied ministry training courses that are designed to train the Christian worker and uh, to kind of equip them for, for work. And by the way, when I say the Christian worker, I mean everyone who follows Jesus. That's what I mean. So, so the equipping division is a resource that is designed to help equip all of us who follow Christ to be able to serve and lead in the ways that God wants us to. So we launched the equipping division a little over a year ago, and we said, let's pilot it. Let's see how it goes. It has been amazing, and the response has been significant. And so we said, okay, let's put some more firepower behind that. And so now our desire is to build the equipping division out. We currently have two courses uh, that we provide. One is called, uh, What is the Bible? The other one is called, What do Christians believe? Which by the way, uh, those are coming up in March and they are filling up fast. And so if you wanna jump into the equipping division, I would encourage you to save a space. You can go to our website and do that. But our desire has always been to build more courses so that we could train and equip leaders to do that. So we wanna do that over the course of the next three years. Another thing that we we're hoping to do with leadership development so we want to launch a new idea, and this is something that is called a 360 internship, okay? Now, let me kind of explain to you what this is, because this is actually an idea that's not original with us. Uh, there are other campuses who have tried this, and there are other churches around the country who do this and have experienced incredible success. Basically, a 360 internship is targeted to high school and college-age students. So let me just say, if you're a high school or a college-age student, you might want to pay attention because this might be for you. And basically what we say is you give us a summer and we'll give you an internship. And as you have an internship, we're going to equip you and we're going to train you and we're going to give you experience and we are going to give you 360 exposure to the ministries of the church. Now the hope for something like this is that young people will gain a heart for ministry that they can take with them anywhere in life, no matter what career they pursue that wherever God leads them, that they'll be useful to, to his church and useful to his kingdom. But the other hope is this, is that maybe for some of these young people, they might actually develop a, a burden to pursue vocational ministry. And if that's the case, we wanna be right there and we wanna help provide and we wanna help lead and guide through that process as well. All right, so 360 internship is something we get excited about. Something else that we wanna try to invest in is we wanna invest more in our current internship and residency program. So here's something that you might not know if you're newer to Grace, or even if you're not newer to Grace, you might not know this. Uh, Grace Church at our eight different campuses, one of the things that we share is we share an internship and a residency program. Uh, we actually work with Grace College and we work with Grace Seminary. So we, our church actually has Grace College and Grace Seminary within us. And so we offer fully credited degrees and fully degraded programs uh, to be able to train interns and residents. Currently, at all of our campuses, there's 25 interns and residents that are connected to us. Here's just a picture of, uh, of some of them. A lot of these faces you probably wouldn't recognize because a lot of them aren't part of our campus. They go to other campuses of Grace and they're, they're involved there. But there's a couple faces you probably do recognize, right? So just a few. Uh, Dan Miller was up here just a moment ago. 
Dan helps uh, oversee our student ministries here. Uh, Dan is part of our residency program. Uh, Steve Van Meter, Steve Van Meter who helps oversee Give It Away. Uh, Steve is one of our residents here at Grace. And so we provide seminary education and we are training up and raising up and trying to equip the next generation of leaders and pastors here with our residency program. Clark Jeanette, some of you uh, would remember Clark, who's part of our team. He was a resident with us here for about five, or for uh, an intern and a resident for about five years. And then his residency ended, and he is now a full-time pastor in Ritman, Ohio. And we'd look at that, and we would say, that is so cool how God uses this to help raise up the next, kind of the next um, generation of leaders. You know, one of the questions we were talking about earlier is where do we look when we're looking for campus pastors, or how are we going to develop? You think about 30 campuses in 30 years. Where are we going to get the leadership for that? Well, th- this, is, this is what this is about, right? In fact, I thought it was really interesting this picture on the screen uh, was, is actually several months old. And since this picture was first developed, this young man right here, Joel Gregory, has actually become a campus pastor. And so he is the campus pastor at our Barberton campus. And so we're looking and we're saying, you think about that wave that's coming. We obviously want to be there. We want to accommodate. We want to do our best to pour into that next generation. But we also want to be there to provide internships and residencies to raise up and to send out soldiers for Christ. And, uh, and this is one of those programs. So we are currently invested in this a little bit. We just want to up our investment in being connected to internships and residency. And then in addition to that, with leadership development, we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, there are some, a few staffing things on there as well. So, so we're kind of looking to say uh, specifically around next generation, we want to come around that in a special way. All right, let's talk about this last one, about outreach. Okay, so outreach. What's the hope over the next three years with outreach? All right, so there's just a couple things on this one. In the next three years, our hope is to increase our international trips and our local involvement. Okay, so uh, we talked last week about some of our local and global partnerships. Our hope is in the next three years that there will be more opportunities for you to be able to go and to be part of some of these international ministries. And so there'll be opportunities, more opportunities for you to go to Uganda, Africa. There'll be more opportunities for you to go to Mazatlan, Mexico. There'll be more opportunities for you to go to the Chateau in France. In fact, I would even encourage some of you to even start praying now about what it might look like for you in the next three years to hop on a plane and be part of one of these missions projects that we're working on. And there's gonna be some opportunities for us to do that. In addition, uh, we also are going to uh, kind of increase our local involvement. And so uh, this is where our goal of getting in a life group is so important. So I talked about this last week, but one of the things that we're hoping to do is we're hoping that every single one of our life groups will own a regular give it away opportunity within the community. And by getting in a life group, that's one of the best ways that we can harness our collective power to make an ongoing impact as a church. That's going to happen. And the last thing I'll mention on this is after talking with our leadership team and the steering team, one of the things that we thought uh, would be a really good move, and we kind of prayed about this and said we we all feel like this is the right direction, is that we want to say that 10%, 10 of any of the resources that we receive in this Here We Go campaign, we just want to pre-commit uh, that we are going to give to our outreach partnerships, that we are going to create a plan to give 10% to uh, things like Sanyuka, which works with orphans in Uganda, things like Safe Families, which works with the foster care system here in Medina, that we want to give to some of those outreach partnerships in that way. There's a couple reasons I think this is really important. Uh, the first is we always want to be a generous church. And so I think, it's, I think it's a good thing for us to say, uh, whatever comes in, we're just going to pre-decide that 10% of that is going to go right out the door into these other ministries that we are supporting and we're partnering with. But the other reason I think this is so important is because if we're at a place right now as a church where we're saying that our passion for our community and for our world is not quite where it should be just yet, I think one of the greatest things we can do is, well, just like Jesus said, that where your treasure is is where your heart follows. And so I think if we as a church can say we are going to be generous towards these things, I think our heart's just going to follow that in a pretty strong way. So that's what we're hoping to do with outreach, okay? So there it is. Like I said, as carefully and as clearly as I know how to kind of talk about it, I know there's a ton of details under all of those things, but that's the plan. All right, that's the plan. And you can probably tell, even just by me talking through this, uh, it is going, is a big plan. 
There's a lot. This is, three, this is a three-year plan we're talking about. There's a lot that needs to happen in the next three years. There's a lot of involvement that needs to take place. So we talked about those involvement goals of pray for your three, serve one, attend one, get in a life group. And you probably also started to calculate that there's a pretty big price tag attached to this as well. If you total it up, the amount that it will take to execute the plan that I just presented to you right now is $2.8 million. And so over the course of the next three years, we're looking and we're saying that is what it will cost to do the plan that I just kind of put before you, presented before you. And now here's the thing. When I show you this plan and when I show you this number, my guess is it becomes pretty clear pretty quick why it is that we said we need to have a family conversation because we realized that to accomplish what we're looking to do, what we believe that God is leading us into, you guys, this is, this is so much bigger than the scope of any one person or one, any one small group of people. It is going to take all of us who are part of the Medina East Campus to say we will help shoulder the responsibility and move forward in these ways. That's just what it's gonna take. Look, I'll just be super transparent uh, and honest with you guys. I, uh, throughout this whole series, the series has been so unique and it's been exciting in so many ways. But throughout this whole series, um, one of the things that has become so abundantly clear to me, and especially this past week as I was kind of preparing for this week, one of the things that's become so abundantly clear to me is that I am in full recognition that I am woefully inadequate to, to do the things that I believe that God is leading us to do. It's just something that has become so apparent to me as I'm just looking at this and I'm saying, God, I feel like you're leading us to do these things and I just recognize that I am so woefully inadequate to do that. I can't do that by myself and the things that you're calling to me, I can't do. You guys, I am such a, a broken person. Just this past week, just this past week, good example. You know what your pastor did this past week? Let's tell you what I did. Uh, I uh, lost my temper. I yelled at this other car. I mean, just yelled at this other car. Ended up that it was someone from our church. <laughs> that is, talk about embarrassing situation. That is your fearless leader. <laughs> Man, I'm so inadequate, you guys, for this stuff. But can I tell you what I also believe, and I genuinely believe this with all my heart, I believe that God calls us to do things we can't do because I believe that God uses broken people and he wants to use a group of broken people like us, but it's gotta be him doing it. It's gotta be him. And it's gotta be him through all of us. Otherwise, it ain't happening. It's not happening. And so here is what I'm asking you to do, all right? I'm actually gonna have the ushers come and they're actually gonna pass around uh, something that we are calling commitment kits, all right? So they're gonna pass those out. I want you to take one of those. If you are part of the Medina East Campus family, if you could take one per family, okay? Just one, not one per person, one per family, all right? If you are a guest with us today, please do not take one of those, all right? Um, they, we're not asking you for anything if you're a guest. But if you are part of the Grace Church family, I wanna ask you to take one of these commitment kits, okay? one of these envelopes, one per family. And I'll tell you what we're gonna do. So we're gonna do something uh, next week that's very different than anything we've ever done before here at the Medina East Campus. And I'll walk you through what that is. All right, so when you get that commitment kit, uh, you're gonna find that there is a series of uh, pieces, uh, different pieces of uh, information that are in there. And I just wanna walk you through what's in there and I'll tell you what we're hoping to do. Okay, so I'm gonna try to be as clear as I can on this. All right, so... In the commitment kit, the first thing that you'll probably notice when you open it up, there's a bunch of stuff, a bunch of these different pieces of card stock. The first thing that I'll draw your attention to is in there, there is something that's called a commitment guide. Okay, so this card basically is gonna help you process through uh, the steps that you need to take. Uh, we're gonna ask that you take this home with you this week. You carve out some space with your family and that you begin to pray through what is it gonna look like for you to be connected and involved. What is it gonna look like for you as it relates to the invo involvement goals and the financial goals as well, all right? So I want you to process through that with your family. And so there's some of this here. You're also gonna find that there's another card that looks like this. This is a giving commitment card. On this side, it says giving commitment. On the flip side of that card, 
you're gonna see that there's a spot where it's gonna ask you to fill in. I want you to pray about this with your family and talk about it. What is your total financial commitment if you're a part of the Medina East Campus family? What is your total financial commitment gonna be over the next three years? Okay, so this is a three-year commitment. And basically what we're saying about this commitment right here is we're saying this is above and beyond your regular giving. And so if you're a person who's committed to grace, for those of us who are already giving at grace, we're saying this is above and beyond. If you're a person who's part of the Grace Church family and you're not yet giving, this would be a great opportunity for you uh, to maybe start doing that. All right, we want you to pray about that. Fill that out here. There's some instructions on the card on how to do that. And notice there's another card that's in here. And this, this card is an involvement commitment card. And so I want you to put your name down and then uh, you'll see pray for your three, get in a life group, serve one, attend one. You check the boxes that apply. If you're already doing those things, go ahead and check those boxes just to let us know that you're already connected and involved in those things as well. All right, so I wanna encourage you to do that. If you need more of these cards, by the way, so if there's multiple people in your family and you need more of these involvement cards, you can grab as many as you need on your way out. There'll be some that you can grab and you can kind of take those with you. All right, so I want you to do that. I also want you to know that in Power Kids today, that your kids that are uh, in Power Kids, that they also have an involvement envelope that they're gonna take with them that looks very similar to this. All right, so I want you to take all of that. And then the last thing I'll mention is this. The other thing you'll see, it's not in there, but it's in the seat backs. There is this pray for your three card, all right? So if you haven't already, I wanna encourage you to grab one of those. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you're part of our campus, I want you to, to write down the name of your three. And by the three, what we meant by that is three people in your natural sphere of life who you desperately wanna see come to know Jesus. You can write down the first names of those people. All right, so you can write that down. Now, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take all of that, carve out a specific spot in your calendar this week, prayerfully consider what your involvement is gonna look like, talk about it with your family, I want you to bring it back next week. All right, so next week is gonna be commitment weekend. And I'm just gonna tell you, next week is gonna be very special. It's gonna be like, unlike anything we've ever done here in the history of the Medina East Campus, we're gonna have, a, all of us are gonna have an opportunity who are part of the family to make our commitments. We're gonna be able to do that together. We're gonna be able to worship and sing. We're actually gonna encourage you, if you have kids that are elementary school age up, to actually bring them in the service with you. And as a family to make those commitments, I think it's gonna be a very special moment for us as a church. And it's actually gonna be a call to faith. It's gonna be a call for all of us to say, okay, here we go, here we go. And uh, as we kind of move together in those things. All right, so that's what we're gonna be asking you to do next week. If I wasn't clear or you have more questions, uh, stop me after services. I'd love to clear it up. Talk to anyone who has the here we go shirts on and they'd be happy to help answer any questions that you might have as well. Would love to be clear uh, on that. Okay. I'm gonna ask the band to come up. And as we kind of close down, let me just, let me just kind of end by saying, by saying this, all right? Um, man, I, I love you guys. I, I really do. And I, I love that we get to do this together. Um, I, I genuinely am in awe of what God has done through us over the past seven years. And I am excited to see what God might have in store for us for the next seven and even beyond that. I love this. But I do want you to hear me say this too, okay? And I mean this. If you're part of, of, of the Grace Church family, whenever I ask you to get involved and whenever I ask you to give, I want you to hear me. I never, ever want you to do that out of a feeling of compulsion or out of a feeling of guilt, ever, ever. Since it's not how we do things. I don't ever want you to give because you hear us saying, if you give God $10, he'll, he'll give you 100 This isn't the TV junk. It's not what we're talking about. What I'm saying is, if you're a part of the Medina East family and you believe that God is doing something special in and through us, then, then I'm asking you if you're willing to give generously and sacrificially that together. Not under compulsion, not because of guilt, not because of any trickery, just because we believe that God is doing something. And so next week, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna come back and we're gonna make our commitments together. And if at the end of that day, we have $2.8 million committed or something like that, then we're gonna pull the trigger and we're gonna go ahead and execute on this plan and we're gonna consider that God's will and we're gonna do that. Now listen to me, look up here for a minute. If we come back and we do not get $2.8 million, then listen, we are gonna consider that God's will and we are going to adjust the plan and we're gonna move forward. 
If we come back next week and we get $5 million committed, listen, we're going to take that as God's will. And we're going to adjust the plan. I might wet my pants. <laughs> but we'll take it as God's will. And we'll move forward. All right? So it's up to God. It's his church. It's his church. We just want to be his people. And that's all there is to it. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, it is your church. It's all yours. And we just want to be your people. We want to be receptive to what you want for us. So God, I just want to pray for everyone who's part of our congregation here today. Lord, I pray that they would hear, that they would genuinely hear just the heart. None of this is guilt. None of this is compulsion. None of this is any of that, Father. It's just we're trying to discern what you want. And Father, if this truly is what you want for us, then we ask that your will would be done and we pray that we'd follow you. And we pray if it's not, Lord, that you would just stop us because the worst thing we could ever do is to run headlong into a plan that's not yours. And so, Father, we just trust you. We ask you that you would lead and guide us. We pray that you would lead us as a church family into unity, and we pray that you'd lead us into greater effectiveness as a congregation and as your people. Thank you for this church, God. Thank you for what you're doing in and through it. And Father, we just pray that you would continue to work in powerful ways in our midst. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I add in like a cool knock-knock joke? Sure. Well, I don't know any. <laughs> Since I came here, I actually got saved and I got baptized here. So that was actually pretty crazy. It's been a little bit over a year ago, I started going to Ignite, which is Wednesday nights, we have our high school youth group. And in the past year, I remember the first time that I went, I automatically, like, everyone there is literally so, the best people ever. They're so welcoming, so nice. This is where, like, at church, at the youth group Ignite, is where I have some of my best friends. I can talk about them with anything. I've been able to, like, grow with them and see them grow, and they've seen me grow through everything. Oh, I've been invested, too, by so many people. like. My parents, youth leaders at church, random people I've even just met in passing. I know how it all started. I was 10, really, when it like first hit me that like there may be something different about this, something important that I wanna really find out about. And since I came to Grace, that's when really my whole faith journey started. And I've really been like led and poured into by these people who are older than me. I know there's a whole group of women at the church who are all discipling each other, being discipled, and I've gotten to interact with them, and I got to witness them and what they're doing. And it's really just great to see that that could be me someday. I'm being discipled right now. They're all discipling each other, and it's just a constant stream of going and flowing through one another in fellowship for the Lord. My friend, I brought to Ignite a couple times, and she ended up really liking the church. So she actually brought her family with her, and that was something that's so crazy for me, that I was able to, through my friend, influence the rest of her family to start coming to, like, and finding a new church again. And she even ended up getting baptized the week at Spontaneous Baptism, which was so crazy for me. Jesus means to me hope and, like, a sense of there's something more to my life than just what I'm doing. When I, before I got saved, I didn't really have any hope. I was just like, I didn't know what was gonna happen to me someday. I didn't know what was going on with my life. But when I got saved, it was like a sense of fulfillment and that like there's something more than just like what I see right now. I think it's important to pass on the hope because I know what my life was like before and it wasn't something that I loved or enjoyed or it wasn't a life that I felt like was really fulfilling and really like meant something. So it was just sad and hopeless. And I feel like if I could like help anyone else to not do that, especially like the younger generation for me, who I'll be helping lead, if I could help them get started faster on like finding Jesus and just learning how crazy their life can be with him, it's just something that I'd wanna do and I'm trying to do. My name is Haley and here we go.